Let's go before our Lord in prayer. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Whether you have heard this story 1,000 times before, or you are just hearing Luke's gospel account for the first time, which is hard to believe, or maybe you've just heard it a few times, whether you grew up in a family of churchgoers and Bible believers and you haven't looked back since, or you are someone who stands with skeptics, it does not matter. There is absolutely no need for spoiler alerts this morning. Because the truth of the matter is, each and every one of us, all of us know exactly how this story will end. And doesn't that make Luke chapter 2, the account of Jesus Christ's birth, well, rather boring? Yeah, I, I said it. Well, but I don't mean to suggest that it's actually true because I think we know that these verses are not unimportant. They are not insignificant. That's why we're all here. That's why we're celebrating Christmas, right? These are some very important verses. Luke chapter 2, which is the only news outlet that actually covered all of the details of Christ's birth, is profoundly significant. But do we sometimes... Well, think of this as something maybe a little boring because it is so familiar. And our minds kind of categorize the story of Jesus' birth right along with all of the other Christmas Catholics. Not Catholics, classics. Do we make a story that's rather familiar, a snoozer, with our pageantry? I mean, I'll be honest, as soon as I started reading Luke chapter 2, I looked up and there was this sort of happy, fanciful glaze that came over a lot of your eyes. And be honest with me, how many of you, when I started in with that whole bit about Joseph going up from, from Nazareth and I ended with the famous line about no room in the inn, how many of you were miles away thinking about the days you had to memorize those lines and picturing your little ones or, or maybe yourself? the time you got to dress up as Mary, Joseph, an angel, or a shepherd. It's kind of actually silly when you think about it that you and I can take a story, the story of the prince of angels coming to do battle against evil and putting on armor, 
but not armor that you'd expect. The armor of the flesh of a baby, putting it on on the inside of a virgin. Well, it's kind of silly that you and I can take this story and make it maybe a little lifeless with our docile depictions. Well, this morning, my goal is to not make this story more exciting. My goal is not to try to make it come alive for you again or anything like that. This morning, what I want is that we stop and that we see together, well, what they saw on the very first Christmas. And that was that a story that we make rather lifeless, well, it is in fact the story of the one in whom was life and that life was the light of all mankind. What I want to do this morning is go back to the very day the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us and I want to kneel. Kneel with the people who first saw his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and full of truth. I want to kneel next to some shepherds who are living out in a field nearby. And as we do, I want you to riddle me this. Why shepherds? Why did God announce to shepherds of all people the good news about Jesus' birth first? I mean, think about it. If you read through Luke chapter 1 and Luke chapter 2, we are overwhelmed with some big names. Some big names from Bible history. There's King Herod. There's John the Baptist. There's the Virgin Mary. There's Joseph from Nazareth. Oh, and by the way, Jesus Christ. And then we get to some no-name shepherds. Why on the night where the entire course of history was changed do we see shepherds? Have you ever thought about that? It's actually a good question, but be careful how you ask it because it actually suggests some pretty serious stereotypes that I don't think uh, suburban dwellers today in 2017 quite understand. There's some stereotypes about shepherds that we do need to understand, though, if we're going to understand why it is that God announced the good news to who he did and who it is that we're kneeling next to. So I introduced to you a shepherd, a shepherd named Simon. But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah. From you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Therefore, he shall give them up unto the time when she who is in labor has given birth, and he shall be their peace. A reading from the scroll of the prophet Micah. Without that, 
perfect, no, no blemish, nothing. Nothing wrong, see? Mm. Spotless. Good, no blemish. This one's good. Thank you, thank you. Teacher, I have a question about the Messiah. I've studied Torah every day a and... A shepherd wants to learn. Yes. Do you believe the Messiah will set us free from the occupation? Yes, he will make a great military leader. Are you sure? Just because last Shabbat the priest read from Prophet Ezekiel and he did not say... How dare you? I'm sorry, teacher. He is obsessed. He brought this animal? I said spotless. Spotless? Yes. These are for righteous men, for the perfect sacrifice. Very sorry, very sorry, very sorry. You wonder why the Messiah hasn't come? People like you keeping him away with your stains. If you come back here without a perfect lamb, I will banish you all from the marketplace. Now, come, come. I warned you about this. Are you deaf as well as lame? I'm sorry. We are not slowing down for you. You take this run back up to the hill and try and keep up. Or find your own way back. People who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divided the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff for his shoulder the rod of you his oppressor, you want to listen? No, this is a holy place. Please, you are filthy. Go. For every boot Get of the trapping warrior in battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Strengthen the weak hands. Excuse me, friend. Could you point me to a well in this town? My wife hasn't had a drink in hours. At the other end of the square. Thank you, brother. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Here. Oh, thank you for your kindness. How far have you come? From Galilee, Nazareth. Don't say that too loud here. You know, they say, uh, Nothing good can come from... I know what they say about Nazareth. Don't worry, I won't tell anyone. Secret's safe with me. Thank you for your kindness. And my name is Simon. Out of my way. 
we must go. Strengthen weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who have an anxious heart, be strong. Fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame man leap like a deer, and the tongue of the mute shall sing for joy. A reading from the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. This way. Basically, we've made shepherds out to be a lot cooler than they actually are. This time of year, we picture shepherds to kind of look like the pictures and the faces that we see on the Hallmark cards. But that's not who shepherds were. Shepherds weren't just a bunch of dads and boys sitting out by a campfire singing some cool songs. No, shepherds back in ancient Jerusalem, shepherds who lived on the hills of Bethlehem just outside the city of Jerusalem, they, they were known to be two things. Well, they might, they might have been known for more than two things, but I want you to know these two things about shepherds. Shepherds were outcasts. Well, let me, let me actually put it the way I wanted to. Shepherds were losers. Nobody grew up saying to their moms and dads and their teachers that I want to be a shepherd when I grow up. No, historians tell us that shepherds were mostly males, but sometimes females who couldn't cut it at the ideal path in life. The ideal path in that time was, was spiritual studies or, or doing a, a skilled trade. No mothers wrote in their Christmas cards that were so proud of young Shimael for running around chasing, you know, dumb animals and staying up all night. Shepherds were low, low on the social status totem pole. And in fact, if a shepherd saw an incident happen and a case was brought against two people and the shepherd was the only one that saw as a witness, well, their, wit their witness, their testimony it wouldn't even stand up in a court of law. Shepherds couldn't be trusted. Shepherds were people whose doors you locked and whose stuff you brought inside when they came through town because otherwise your stuff wouldn't be there in the morning. Shepherds were treated like scum by their society because number two, shepherds were dirty. Actually, physically filthy because they lived outside. They lived with animals. They followed sheep everywhere. They pulled sheep out of water. They pulled sheep out of mud. They pulled sheep out from underneath bushes. They were with sheep all the time. And so all of the things that sheep effuse all of the time, well, were on shepherds. And that didn't only make them physically unclean. According to Jewish law, that meant they were religiously or ceremonially unclean as well. I mean, think about it. These people who are social outcasts were actually vital to the religious life of Israel. And yet the very people who took care of, cared for, and raised 
the lambs that would be the sacrifice, well, they couldn't participate in worship. The people that took care of and and raised the lambs that, that expressed faith in the promise of the Messiah, that represented what the Christ would be, holy, perfect, spotless, without blemish. Oh, according to the conscientious Jewish person of the day who was obsessed with cleanliness, oh, the shepherds that took care of them were too unclean, too imperfect, even to worship with. If you asked a shepherd, where would the Messiah show up? They'd probably point. Point to the light up in the hill. Point to the temple where mom wished they were. And so why did God come to shepherds? Why did angels show up to shepherds after showing up to famous people like Abraham, Isaac, and, Jay- and, and Jacob, and the prophet Isaiah? People like Peter, Paul, and Mary, and not the folk singers. Why did God in planning the event that has come to be known as the event that no other event has been celebrated like in word and song, invite shepherds and not only that, seat them at the head of the table. Why shepherds? I do what happened this morning. You sleep with the sheep tonight. And pay attention this time. And watch out for wolves. Watch out for the Pharisee. He might come after you. Mm-hmm. Well, a Roman took another sheep yesterday. Simon, they're talking about the Romans again. But they cooked it right in front of me. You're, you're lucky. You're enough? lucky you're not part of this conversation with Romans again and again. Let them good pay. Good pay. They take, they take whatever they want. Let's talk about something else.
Jesus. We gotta name him Jesus. I must go. People must know. People must know. People must know. shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. I told you not to come back here. So where is it? Have you found a spotless lamb for sacrifice? And there were shepherds living out in the field nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Why did God show up and make the angelic announcement to angels first? Well, kneeling before my Savior's cradle, I realized the better question is probably why, why did such good news get announced to me? Because as I kneel next to the shepherds, I realize that the shepherds' social status, oh, it's always been my spiritual status. I'm filthy. I'm dirty. I'm an outcast. I'm alone. To those of you who feel like a loser, like you're an outcast because you just can't seem to cut it at the ideal path in life that you had envisioned. To those of you who feel alone because someone has hurt you, 
or someone you love isn't here anymore. To those of you who feel like a loser, like a failure, because your record is anything but spotless as a, as a parent, as a friend, as a sibling, as a Christian, to those of you who feel dirty, to those of you who try to cultivate a right relationship with God, but you just keep on muddying the waters, to those of you who can't seem to wipe off the dirt of despair, of guilt, of shame, to those of you who know inside I am disgusting because I run after dumb, selfish sins and I know it doesn't make God happy. To those of you, and in, and in some way, shape, or form, it's all of us who feel that we are outcasts, who know that we are alone, who know, if we're honest with ourselves, we're a mess. To those of you, do not be afraid. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Christ. He is the Lord. Listen, I don't know. I don't know why the angelic announcement was made to the angels first, but I do know what the angels said. They said to the shepherds that today a Savior has been born to you. And so from the very beginning of the life of Christ, God, who could have planned anything, who has no limits or who has no bounds to what he's able to do, yes, Christ was born for the world, but he was born to you. He was born for you. He was born to cause you joy. Yes, to cause you great joy. And that's why the angels came the way they came. And that's why they came to who they came. So that all those for who Christ came would know that, that Jesus came for me. You are not too low. You are not too in, unimportant or insignificant. You are not too lonely, too outcast, too dirty, too messed up, too far gone, too sinful, or too anything for God to come for you, for God to come for you, to find you, to make you his. And that is good news. That is Christmas. Christmas time is the season for the reason. You see, the reason why the angels showed up to the shepherds, the reason why they sang what they sang is not because of a birth per se but it's because that birth meant something. The reason for the season is peace. That birth meant peace. And not a peace between your earthly enemies, not a peace between nations and powers, not even a peace between your ears for your own mental state of mind, but a peace that could only be established by Christ, the chosen one. A peace that is established by a right relationship restored with the holy God of the universe. And that's why the angels sang. That's why they sang glory to God in the highest, gloria in excelsis Deo, because God was glad to have you back. God was pleased that his will was being done on earth as it was in heaven. 
That's why the angels sang. That's why they came to the shepherds. And that's why they came to you. It's because there's peace on earth. There's mercy mild. God and sinners have been reconciled. The story of Christmas is not about a shepherd who is lonely finding his Jesus or about people who are sad or, or not well off finding their God. Well, it's more than that. It's a story about the lamb who has come to take away the sins of the world, yes, but your sins. It's a story of the good shepherd who laid down his life for you. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen were just as they had been told. Mary pondered and the shepherds, they proclaimed. And this Christmas, I think it'd be wise if we did both the same. Friends, my prayer for you is that worship here this morning is not just the end. I pray it's only the beginning of you taking time to ponder the profound mystery of Bethlehem's baby. That Christ, the Lord of hosts, the Alpha and the Omega, the creator of the world, came for you. My prayer this morning is that the message that the angels proclaimed, the message that the shepherds shared, the message that we heard this morning is one that puts on us a smile, a smile that changes the way we think about Christmas time hustle and bustle. Because my prayer for you is that you bust out of here and that you burst out of your homes sharing the amazing news, the good news that causes joy for all people so that others might be amazed. I think it's interesting, but Luke closes his gospel account by saying the shepherds returned to their flocks. And pretty soon, something very much the same will happen to all of us, right? Life around Christmas will eventually return to, well, business as usual. Family time and Christmas parties will end. The lights will will come down and the trees and the wreaths will be boxed up or taken out to the curb. So what then? Well, what did the shepherds do? You notice they didn't tra trade in their staffs for some priestly robes. Now, you might say the shepherds just kept doing their job. They kept on tending the flock. They kept on watching. They kept on witnessing and they, they kept on proclaiming about their lamb. The lamb who was now the one they knew to be the perfect sacrifice. That's what shepherds did. They had been with Emmanuel. Emmanuel, God, had been with them. And so things changed. Things had to change. That's the shepherd's way. 
that's your way, this is Christmas, and here is your God.